You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about historical fiction with author E.R. Ramzapur. But first, what are you reading, Bria? So this wonderful thing happened to me this oh week. Oh my gosh. I was, I got an email from the library and it said, would you like to check out this book? It is a, what do they call it? Have you had this happen? I don't know. Hold on. It's, um. You've got to tell me. <laughs> it's called like, it's like a quick checkout or a, um. Oh yeah. They do it as a promo and you only get it, you get it quickly, but you only seven, get it for like a you week. You get it immediately. Yep. Um. Oh, I can't see what it's called. Anyway, um, it's like a quick checkout. I'll 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 figure out what it's called. Um, where it's like you you it's like for a buzzy book they and they have certain copies they only lend out for seven days. I, they do with physical copies. Yeah. I know this is like a big thing because you can go and find a really popular book at the library, but it will be like on this one specific shelf. You where gotta it's like fucking speed this shit read is it. like due in seven days. You gotta have it back in seven days. But I got an email about it and I got an ebook that's that, and so I wow. checked it out. And what it's book? um City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, I want to read There's that. Literally, I'm looking at it right now. There's zero of 255 e copies available. Holy. They're so because it's so popular. I'm like 25 percent of the way through. It is due back in two days. I've heard um, it's amazing. So I have to really, really fly the next couple of days. Um, I love it. It's so good. If you haven't heard about it, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, who is friend of Maximum Fun, actually, yeah. Um, she wrote this book is a it's a fiction book about a woman uh, who is like uh, just she failed out of college and her parents sent her away to New York to live with her aunt who runs a um, it's like post vaudeville style theater, so like 1940s ish, yeah. um, and and it's all written from the point of view of a of a an older woman who's writing a letter about her life. So it's about her life, and essentially it's like her going and meeting all these like cool showgirls and hanging out with them and like having sex with random men in the city, and it's just like it's like right now it's a really charming life, which is super fun. Um, the the whole premise of the book is that I guess Angela, this woman Angela, wrote the woman, the main character of the book, and says, I need to know about your relationship with my father now that he's dead. And so she's kind of telling it, but she's telling it through her life story. Huh, okay. It's great. It's so fun. The writing is so good. Like, I really like it. It's it's really wildly entertaining. I will say about 25% of the way through, and there has already been, like, trigger warning for sexual assault. So Ooh. not all fun and games. Uh, but, there, but it is a very fun read. So far, um, one of my friends was reading it when she came to visit me in Bulgaria. And she was like, you have to read this book. You're going to love it. It involves theater. And I was like, okay, I'm so excited. I can't believe I got – I feel like the luckiest person in the world. I don't know why I got this offer. How do they decide who gets it? I don't know. It? I guess whenever it comes up. It probably just comes up. I think and it's they're like, your special, Bria. On the list. That's they're like, what, we know. You wanted to read this they're like, we book knew. about theater. We are, uh, the book fairies over at the library heard your prayers. So true. What are you reading, Molly? So I – well, you remember a few weeks ago when I said I was going to go away for my birthday and I was going to read some happy books? Mm-hmm. I fucking lied. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I read two books while me and Jeremy were on vacation. I, I finished Wilder Girls by Rory Power, which was great. And then while I was – so we were like laying by this lake and I'm finishing Wilder Girls and Jeremy is reading this book called The Nest by Kenneth Oppel. Uh-huh. And as he's reading it, he's like getting closer and closer to me and like by the end he's like – cuddling me and i'm like oh this babe so nice it's my birthday it's great and then he like immediately when he finishes it rolls over and goes this is fucked up you have to read it immediately and gives me the book and i read it the next day and this book might be my favorite book of the year wow it did not come out this year it's not a new book uh it was illustrated by a man named john classen it's a middle grade book so it's a middle grade horror the scariest book i've read all year wow it blew my mind i read it in one sitting it is uh, it is the most profound and, and, and terrifying and brilliant look at childhood anxiety I've ever, ever read. Wow. It's incredible. It's about this little boy. He's like, I don't know, probably like nine, I think. And his family just his family just had a baby, but the baby was born with some genetic uh, deformity. Like there's something wrong with the baby. He like you never really 100 percent find out what. Um, but he starts having this, and his family's like dealing with all this hospital stuff, and he starts having these nightmares about this wasp nest that's outside his house, and the wasps apparently are growing a new baby to replace Ugh. the other baby. Oh, with. I thought you meant a wasp baby. No, like a human baby. Wow. Okay. And. 
it is it blew me away it it blew me away i already talked about it on twitter and i try to only talk about books one place so i can talk about more books but this book just like i literally i read it in one sitting and i stood up and i looked at jeremy and i went jesus fucking christ and we both just like yelled for a few minutes and i was like can we get comfort soup and he's like yes i think we need some soup because it like it will tear you open soup it will fucking gut you (laughs) but it is incredible i cannot stop gushing about this book i love it so much i can't like it's middle grade and it's so scary it is just oh it's amazing so that's the nest by kenneth oppel and it is uh illustrated by john classen and mine is city of girls by elizabeth gilbert so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback shannon wrote in i have a fun story to tell you about a book that traveled a pretty long distance i work at a library in north central texas and we received a donation texas this book which is the absolutely true diary of a part-time indian indian by sherman alexi was originally part of a free book program in washington state so somehow Uh. this little free library book made its way halfway across the country to our library we're going to add it to our own little free library collection to continue this little book's journey yeah you remember when people when you used to put that on dollar bills oh yeah i think it's really cute to do it with a book you could put like a little post-it in there or something yeah that's cool i yeah. like that you don't even have to, you could just write it on the book no yeah. <laughs> anna has a hot book tip wow wow <laughs> that was really cute that, book tip. that was oh. really well coordinated you should do it in like a like a you know, this, there's always, like, a bass singer of, like, a doo-wop hot group. We're like, hot book <laughs> um, People sometimes lend me books whether I ask them or not, and sometimes I keep them for a million years and need a way to remember which generous friend lent me what. I made a spreadsheet on Google Drive to keep track of the title, the owner, and the date loan so I can remember how long I've had it and prioritize the ones I've had the longest. What a organized person anna is i know you could keep a sheet to track of tra- keep track of who has your books as well if you're worried about forgetting who is borrowing what i have a friend that has a lending library um of um dvds um and he Rum. gave yeah and he gave me a card and it's like a lending library car- it's like a B- v- vhs dvd card video store card and then he has a little sheet that he writes on it next to his bookshelf where he's like you That's have smart. this and it's this date that's smart. Yeah. And then he does a strong follow-up. Good. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that's really cool. He should like get, he should get a graphic designer, like do a little like Rob's DVDs thing. It is like really, the card's really cool. That's, I'll show it to you. It's is, like a yeah. very, someone designed it. That's amazing. Yeah. So Jen wrote in with a wheelhouse that is dystopian stories, mm-hmm. mysterious monsters, fairies in the modern world. Oh, I like that too. LGBTQ characters, uh, punk goth characters, troubled youths, and anything that scares me, which is hard to do. Can I just say, I have trouble with punk goth characters sometimes because I'm like, not true enough to life. Yeah, I definitely, that's why I was really impressed with Grady Hendrix's We Sold Our Souls because as a goth metalhead, I'm sniffing out for authenticity here. Yeah, and um, just like as a person who used to play music and hangs out with people who play music, there's often so much like, I feel like it doesn't, in movies I have a big, I have a hard time with it. I'm always like, that's not, that's not what it's like to be in a punk rock band. I was in a punk rock band and I like feel like I have like a real, a real anger towards it yeah you but can, but if it's done right then i am impressed you can tell that like when a punk or goth character is written by like a 50 year old white dude who wears khakis every day you're yeah like, you don't <laughs> fucking know shit you've never put a safety pin through your own belly button <laughs> <laughs> you know what's up um i got mine pierced by the local veterinarian in my town he oh, did it I with love some uh, cow with like what you tag a cow with this is incredible well i, I did that's it my, what I did in my head i don't actually know if that's true i well no i did it myself with a safety pin and then it didn't look very good so then i got it done professionally mm-hmm. claire's boutique no claire that would claire's do a belly button i think so i think they just did ears oh maybe oh but i think it was a tattoo shop oh yeah which, I was I got it done when I was 16 and I was like, I'm only two years away from getting tattoos. (laughs) Counting the days. So quick bookmark. We just want to remind everyone that we're closing in on the last few weeks of our reading classes, book club, summer book pick, um, which is an elderly lady is up to no good. Uh, So we're going to have it finished like finish reading by next weekend. And then Sunday, September 1st, we're going to have a live stream book club for it. Uh, we will, Very exciting. As soon as Tune we... in. I started reading it. It is, you think, you're like, oh, this is going to be one thing. Let me tell you, it is about an elderly lady who's basically a psychopath. So get ready for it. I am extremely excited about it. Um, it's going to be great. 
And if you want to talk about it, join in with us. There's going to be a, a live Google Hangouts. You guys can ask questions. We'll all talk about it. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun time. It's our. It, it ticks off a box of uh, on the reading glasses. Uh, uh, yearly reader challenge of participating in a book club. It's a translated book. Hey, t- uh, two for one. Yeah, we're going to have a blast. So that'll be Sunday, September 1st. And so have the book read by next weekend. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. Sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about historical fiction with E.R. Ramsapore, we're going to take a quick break. Mallory. Bria. Do you ever wonder who done it? Only when I'm reading a mystery or a thriller. I, I love a mystery and a thriller, and so do our listeners. This episode is brought to you in part by The Great Courses, and one of the courses that we've been enjoying is The Secrets of Great Mystery and Suspense Fiction. So this genre is obviously a global phenomenon, and the course explores the authors who made it what it is. So that's Agatha Christie, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, others, as well as the elements of the genre that continue to thrill readers everywhere. And who done it? And who you done may it? learn it. Who done it? The who mo- did this mystery? Who done the Who done it? <laughs> who who been doing the Who done it? Who's, who's been doing the Who done it? And with the Great Courses Plus streaming service, you can learn more about virtually any topic from engaging ex- experts in their fields, and you can get unlimited access to thousands of lectures on topics like publishing your own book, which is something that uh, people who listen to the show are interested very in, very interested in symbolism f- behind fairy tales, which is clearly something Bria and I don't know that much about. It's true. You can learn a new language. You can take better photos and with the great courses plus app you have the flexibility to watch it or listen to it just about anywhere if you're bria grant you can do it while you're at the step machine at the gym it's totally true i love watching stuff on my phone at the step machine it's you can learn a language while you're stepping so get that awesome feeling of pride that comes with knowledge and find out it for the end who did do it who did who who done did it (laughs) so you get if you want to know all that and more you can sign up for the great courses plus and for a limited time only they are offering our listeners an entire month for free think about how many cool lectures and courses that you could listen to or watch during an entire month for free for free think about how much college costs expensive extremely expensive and this costs nothing free so but you, you have to use our promo cl- code, okay? You have to sign up using our special URL, which yes. is thegreatcoursesplus.com slash glasses. And that's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash glasses. And we made this offer last time. If you go and you learn something on The Great Courses Plus, write us a little email. Tell us how it went. We want to read it on the show. Tell us those facts. Tell I mean, us all the facts. That's what we all really live for, right? Is that did you know moment? Mm-hmm. We will give that to you. So just email or tweet us. So that's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash glasses. Glasses. Listen, I'm a hotshot Hollywood movie producer. You have until I finish my glass of kombucha to pitch me your idea. Go. All right. It's called Who Shot Ya, a movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. I'm Ify Whitey the new host of the show and a certified BBN. BBN? Buff black nerd. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, an elderly gay and legit film critic who wrote a book on Christmas movies. I'm Drea Clark, a loud white lady from Minnesota. Each week, we talk about a new movie in theaters and all the important issues going on in the film it's like guess who's coming to dinner meets cruising and if it helps seal the deal i can flex my muscles while we record each episode i'm sorry this is a podcast i'm a movie producer how did you get in here iffy quick start flexing bicep lats chest who shot you dropping every friday on maximumfun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts This week, it's all about historical fiction, but isn't almost all fiction historical fiction? That's the question this week. So doesn't everything happen in the past? What is time? What what is time? (laughs) That's the real question we're going to address this week. (laughs) What makes a book historical fiction? So luckily, we've got author E.R. Ramsbor in the studio today to talk all about it. Evan, what are you reading right now? That is a great question. So I'm reading this book called Call Your Daughter Home by <gasps> Deb Spira. Oh, I was know. on the show. Oh, Deb my God. Guest of the was show. She really? Yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I that's know amazing. Deb. Deb and I did a bunch of events together earlier this year. The book's been sitting by my bed for it's wicked good. Like it's at least so good. two months, and I feel really bad. It's that really good. It. It's wicked good. Yeah, and the audiobook is also excellent. Too. Does Deb read it? No, no. They have these uh, two or three voice actors, and they're just amazing. What oh, is the rundown awesome. of the book again? 
I will let Evan do it. <laughs> so it takes place sort of at the turn of the century when this uh, bull weevil epidemic, not epidemic because they're bugs, this bull weevil, weevil, bull I weevil hate, I hate those bugs so it could be an epidemic. Yeah, exactly. Plague? Is plague too strong? I know, right? It feels biblical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with plague. Yeah, plague right. Works. So a plague of bull weevils have infested a bunch of farms in, in the south um, and basically ravaged their cotton crops. And so it follows the stories of these women who are trying to rebuild across these different class barriers and race barriers. Um, and even though they have uh, such great differences, they end up uniting to kind of solve these tremendous problems that they're dealing with. And it's a time period that I knew nothing about, and I really never read any Southern fiction or Southern Gothic. So it's it's been really cool to experience that. Yeah, yeah. I love that book. Uh, so speaking of... and. Um Speaking of historical fiction, can you tell us about your new book that is out this week, uh, The Ventriloquists? Yes. So it is based on this true story of um, ragtag resistance fighters who write, print, and distribute a satirical Nazi newspaper in 18 days. Oh, wow. Um, And I like to describe it because it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. I describe it as Ocean's Eleven meets all the light we cannot see. (laughs) Oh, nice. And what year year does it take place? 1943. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what exactly is historical fiction so the historical novel society says that it has to be set at least 50 years before it was written although it was funny the other day i saw a friend of the show eric smith was tweeting about how the 90s are historical fiction and i think that's bullshit i don't know because when you read it it feels really dated i was reading that book that book girl but uh recommended by amber benson it's called girl yeah and it's set in the 90s and there when i read it i'm like feels super dated but i think 50 years is a good number you're the ex what do you think <laughs> yeah you're kind I, of the expert i don't know i i have mixed feelings on calling the 90s historical fiction because that means that basically <laughs> like if i wrote We're my relics. life story i, uh, I would, <laughs> it would be historical That's fiction apparently it, like is it just because it makes us feel old is that why but it's like if you see the outfits that people wore in the 90s i get the same feeling looking at those as i do like looking at outfits from 100 years ago it's true but is it weird <laughs> that i still own some of my clothes from the 90s <laughs> like i know them and i looked at I look at them and I'm like, it's popular again. Like, I can, like, re-wear some of those like, clothes because I, I held on to this fanny pack. I, know, right. God, exactly. I wish I had a fanny pack. I've been thinking about, sidebar, really thinking about investing in a fanny pack recently for when I'm working. Nope. Can't, okay. can't fit a book in it. Oh, yeah, but for when I'm working because I Useless. need pens. I need a lot of pens and pencils. And, like, I lose them and I would like to have that in a small notebook in there. It's practical. Uh, it is totally practical. Anyway, sorry. Fan- All right, so we're saying 50 years. So that would be – the year right now is 2019. So it would be – I lo- love that you're asking me to do math. Bria, you're better at this than I am. It would be uh, 1979. Yes. So that means something that takes place in the 80s isn't historical fiction? Yeah, and see, I feel huh. like it is. And yeah. that's because I was born in the 80s and it feels like a <laughs> historical. long time ago. So then what's the rule? Wait, and did I do that math wrong just now? I did. I think it's – 69. 69. 69, yeah. 89, 99. I rounded. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. 69. This, so is, not yeah, this, this is, is not a math podcast. This is not a math podcast. not a math podcast. Anyway, so we're saying 80s does feel historical. Is historical fiction just, is the rule of thumb just when do you feel old? <laughs> then it's historical fiction. <laughs> and then, no, it's then you don't count it as historical fiction. Right, okay. yeah. right. If it, like, if it, like... It makes something make you feel uncomfortable in your body because you're like, oh, no, that's me. Yeah. Then, then all of a sudden not, it's not historical fiction. Then it's not historical okay. fiction. All right. That's what we'll count it as. Personally, I feel like the way way I think about it is that if the, the time period where the story takes place is germane to the story, like if that if that isn't plays into the plot, the characters, their lives are really affected by the time period, then that to me is historical fiction. Oh, interesting. So like I could write something – I could write something that's like like is really – the Iraq War is really important, or something like that. You right. know, like or uh, George W. The, the original George Bush. Right. You know, like if it's about him, then it's like, oh, that is kind of. That's historical. It feels like historical fiction right? when I say it out loud. Actually, yeah. yeah. When I'm like, oh, when I was like protesting in the '90s, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, it yeah. does feel historical fictionish. I right. actually think that's a really good point because one of um, I'll talk about it a little bit more later. My favorite historical fiction writer is Sarah Waters, and. All, basically, all of her books are historical fiction, but some of them feel like historical fiction, but some of them don't. Like, there's a book that she has that I love because it, it's her horror book. It's The Little Stranger, which is essentially a haunted house book. I love that it, book. Oh, it's so fucking good. But it doesn't feel historical fiction because it really mostly takes place in this one house. So right. they're not really interacting with what's going on in the time period. But her other books, uh, like Fingersmith and Tipping the Velvet, feel more like historical fiction because the characters are interacting with politics or things of the time. Hmm. 
So I think maybe that's the rule. Like whenever you feel old and if the characters are, have, to, <laughs> have to take some sort of weird old timey transportation, then it's historical fiction. If they are using a dial up modem, <laughs> then it is definitely historical fiction. Yes. I went through a tour of a, a, a communist um, a communist apartment, like what it, it was like, what a communist apartment was like in the 90s. And they literally explained how phones worked and phone books like in the tour of the thing. And I was just like. I know how a fucking phone book works. <laughs> like it was like really. But, I felt offended. <laughs> but a child would not. No, if you were no. like nineteen, which a lot of the people when they were like backpackers, like taking the tour of this Bulgarian communist department. Like this is what it was like is in this Bulgaria. What you do for fun? Yeah, I love. No, you know what? Was it John who made? You no, do no, this? I was in Bulgaria oh. by myself. Uh, I uh, no, I love weird museums. Okay, yeah. Any fair. weird? I actually yeah. go when I arrive at a place. I Google weird museum name of city. You can go to Atlas yeah. Obscura. What's that? It's a great Ooh. website. It's your new oh. best friend. It's your new best friend. That's where what I yeah. put in. It's a it's a website that has highlights like weird museums and weird landmarks and weird stuff all over the world. I'll, oh. I'll send it to you. You'll yeah, love it. That's like, yeah, that sounds great. That's, that's what I want. Like the tiny museum that's curated by someone who lives there right. or something yeah. like or someone who's just like, this was in my closet and now you can look at it. And yeah. I'm like, that's what I would like to see. Right. Oh, for sure. That's, that's my favorite. Um, so, well, we're also ignoring the other end of historical fiction. So historical fiction could be set hundreds of years ago or even thousands of years oh, ago. Oh, it's true. Historical fiction is all, like, literally all of history. And, of course, you can also have any genre of historical book. It could be more romantic, a thriller, a mystery, whatever. It's basically where the stories or characters are made up, but the setting or the events surrounding the stories are mostly real. And so... Uh, what are time periods that you both love to read historical fiction about? Evan, you obviously must be sort of World War II nerdy. <laughs> I actually <laughs> I actually don't read that much historical fiction set in, uh, during World War II. I read a lot of nonfiction set during World War II. Oh. Um, and, and the reason for that is I feel like, and the ventriloquist is kind of a response to this, um, a lot of the World War II fiction that I've consumed kind of either focuses on these romantic stories or these are what the soldiers did on the battlefield. And obviously, you know, nothing against those stories. There's room for, for those stories as well. Um, but the thing that I've always been curious about is what was the everyday experience mm-hmm. of just ordinary people who were on the home, home front and who didn't go to war and who didn't have some tragic, ill-fated, uh, larger-than-life romance, you know, that's playing out on, on the silver screen. Or something. <laughs> like, what were they doing? Most people weren't doing that, unfortunately. They were just trying to get by day-to-day, but those are really cool stories as well. Yeah, that is interesting. I like those yeah. kind of stories as well, and it's like a... Because I feel like a lot of... Especially in that era, it's a lot of, like, soldiers or, like, policemen or, like, right. like, it's, yeah. it's like people in positions of authority, which I'm like, that wouldn't have been me, so exactly. I'm, like, less attracted to that story. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, I wouldn't have fired a gun during world war ii no, no. that's not me but yeah. i would have been like the nerd who's writing the political you know propaganda you or something that's you. you're writing yeah <laughs> so where are those people i want to know what they did i feel like it's deeply driven by dad marketing yeah yeah, yeah there's, there's a dad Marti- out there that's the like i would have shot a gun i need to know all about well, he it would have i mean he would have shot the- yeah, he might not have there's a lot of there were a lot of dads, a lot of dads shoot dad guns. heavy war with real <laughs> dad heavy war what do you read if you're if, if you if you were to pick a historical fiction what would you pick like what era? A time period. Oh, that's a good question. I, I tend to read – I used to read a lot of historical fiction that's set like during ancient Roman time. I went yeah. through a real like ancient Greek and Rome phase. Yeah. Did you read uh, Circe and Song of Achilles? I did. By, oh, oh, my God. They're so good. Madeline, Madeline Miller. Ooh, so good. That shit will fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that being historical fiction. It totally – well, it's, it is though. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, read besides, like sorry. the gods. The know. gods, Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It toes that line, though. Yeah, it, it definitely does. toes the line. That, well, that's what I wanted to talk about, about the things that I'm like, is this historical fiction or is this taking too many liberties? That that was we sort will, of my... We'll, we'll get to we'll that get to part. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Bria? Um, I love American history. I have a master's in American history, which is... Super useless unless I'm reading a book that's historical fiction, pretty much. So I do read a lot of American history-based historical fiction i love the 30s through the 50s my thesis was on sort of like more uh late 1800s early 1900s i actually did a lot with um like the anarchist movement in the 19 teens that was like sort of one of my uh focuses in in grad school but um i so i like reading stuff in that era i think because i know about it because i'm like oh well i already know what's happening so i don't have to do a lot of research and it's already in your head yeah which i think is like that interesting like Think anytime I'm reading a book about that era, I will want to reach for another book about that era because I feel like it definitely is already there, and then I'm just like kind of building on that knowledge. Yeah. But then I will go read stuff about 
like especially other countries that I know way less about and like find yeah. stuff that I'm like I literally know nothing about like Ghana in the 1800s and like yeah. we'll go and read a book about it and I feel like it's like a nice learning experience so it's sort of like yeah. I kind of run the gamut when it comes to like what I actually end up picking up there's nothing like super specific what about you I'm really nerdy about Irish history uh, mm. my last name's O'Mara so I'm like have you guys ever seen that movie uh the quiet man no. john wayne no. in the beginning of the movie he's like he's a his his family's irish but he grows up in america and he like talks about how his mom always talked about ireland as if it was like this magical place it's kind of like how my family is so like i grew up being very curious about irish history uh especially the 1916 rebellion uh i love rebel movements like in any any sort of historical fiction i love sticking it to the man in every country and I, like i so if there's like any sort of historical fiction story that's like about a group of people like trying to overthrow something i'm very interested in that but i like ireland specifically i'll pick up like any novel set in ireland in any time period actually um anything by frank delaney or morgan llewellyn uh the wonder by emma donahue really oh yeah oh, that book was so good i, I read it it's been on my list for a long time yeah same Oh, it's really. I actually read it when I went to Ireland last year. Oh, yeah, it's a nice. And, but it felt like bad because it's a, the story about a little girl who doesn't eat, and so, <laughs> so it's a hard book to read because you're like, oh, I can't eat the sandwich. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so guilty. Yeah. <laughs> so, so guilty. guilty. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, you, like you have to be along. You shouldn't feel like that about your protagonist. No, <laughs> you'll feel bad. You, you read this, you feel bad about it for this little girl. Um, but yeah, so basically anything Irish. Um, but I, I do love historical fiction. I like. Um, I'll pick up almost anything because it's like it's, it's not something i want to read all the time because i do feel it like re- requires a little more extra reading muscle because you're like all right i'm learning a bunch of shit right now yeah but when you, it's so immersive that when you're really in it you're like oh this is great it's like being sunk into something it's just oh, i love it so well speaking of evan as an author so what's the research like for a historical fiction book is it like the pressure on to be accurate what are like how much is like do you go into it going all right this i'm gonna take this many liberties like i mean are your characters based on like Tell us about what that process is like. Yeah. So in the case of the ventriloquist, it was kind of a weird process. So the book actually grew out of research that I had done already um, because I I was writing my thesis um, back when I was a a college student at Berkeley. And the thesis was on basically resistance movements and how um, underground organizations throughout the world have used underground media and secret literature more specifically to wage rebellions and to survive under occupation. And so I was doing some research for that, and I came across this document that was written by the U.S. War Office after World War II, basically dissecting how a bunch of European resistance movements use underground literature. And there was just like this little line that said this Belgian resistance group uh, printed over 50,000 copies of a secret newspaper in just 18 days and then it just moved on to the next thing and i was like hold up i want (laughs) to what do you mean like i never learned about this what is this um so i did a little bit more digging and i i started to kind of piece together the story of the ventriloquist but because a this unfolded in just 18 days so nobody was sitting around like creating documentation right right, you know like we're too busy for that (laughs) right exactly um and b you know like most of these people didn't survive. I don't think that's a spoiler to say right. that. Um, there isn't a lot out there about this. So we kind no. of know the broad strokes of this caper, but we don't know many of the little individual details that I got to fill in. But a lot of the characters are real. Uh, the overall story is real. And um, a lot of the specific incidents of how they did it are real. And why did they have to create it in 18 days? That may be a dumb question. but like No, that's not a dumb question at all. Um, the reason why is because they wanted to do it on the anniversary of the German defeat in World War One. Because ah, they wanted this to be like, we we beat them once. Like, look at us. We can do it again. Uh, even if it's with words, we can still punch, <laughs> punch the Nazis. We fight with words. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's why. And, and that just happens to be when this guy, uh, Mark Abrion, who was the architect of the scheme, thought of it. And he was like, oh, crap, I can... I think I can get this done by the time the anniversary rolls around. That's and he awesome. did. And so do you spend a lot of time at the library or is it is it a lot of microfiche? What's going on? <laughs> I love that. I like a microfiche. You just wanted to say microfiche. I, did. Yeah. I wanted to sound intelligent because 
now I'm a blonde lady who lives in LA, so it's like I never seem to sound intelligent. And but I feel you like just got to drop me. down the fact that you have a master's in American history. <laughs> I know, right. no one knows yeah. that about me. Yeah. a big <laughs> secret. I don't know. I would advertise that. Anyway. <laughs> you get a t-shirt, maybe? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Bria, you're one of the smartest people I know. Uh, I doubt that. <laughs> I seriously doubt that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so do you become best friends with a librarian? How, how does how, what happens? Um, you know, <laughs> you I that's where you get friendship bracelets made. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, BFFs. I mean, that's where I'm at. So. <laughs> I'm a, as a nonfiction writer, me and the library, we have carved our, na- our initials into a tree. Right. Together. Yeah. It's really funny because when I was thinking about going to grad school to do this, like, Officially, one of my professors was like, do you like books more than people? Nah. <laughs> and I'm a little bit ashamed at how easy it was for me to answer so that like, question. Uh, like, was? I didn't even... Okay. <laughs> you're, like, you're on the right yes, podcast. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You found your folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, the thing about the ventriloquist is I was writing it mostly when I was a broke college student and then shortly after college when I was just like working a bunch of part-time tutoring jobs and trying to get my book off the ground. So I didn't have the the time and resources to really do a lot of, you know, I'm going to go seek out this archive at this library or whatever. So a lot of what I ended up doing was just online um, and I didn't get to look at a lot of primary source documents, which I wish I would have. And now I'm like really wishing I could go to Belgium and see these places that I wrote about, um, which is how I would you know, do the next historical fiction novel. You can still novel. make that happen. You can oh, still yeah. go to Belgium. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's still there. It's still there. It's, it's still not, there. not like it hasn't broken off and <laughs> No, no. I mean, I don't know where Belgium is. Can it float? <laughs> That's where my education is. But that's Lakes. because we grew up in America. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so you knew the broad strokes of all this mm-hmm. stuff, but you're filling in a bunch of things. How did you, did you just read a bunch of, like, how did you fill in the flavor of, like, these characters and, like, their everyday lives? Like, all that interesting stuff that we just talked about they were actually really interested in. Like, you know, what were they doing? every day like what was that day-to-day yeah. life like how did you get that flavor yeah that's a good question a lot of the time i just read about the belgian resistance and and i couldn't read about these specific characters um but yeah there are a lot of books out there on like the experience of the belgian underground and and i read a lot of those um another thing that i did to kind of get the flavor of belgium and and understand the texture of brussels was and this is going to sound funny but it's totally useful um, I used Google Maps and Google Earth. Um, wow. Yeah, and I would just scroll street by street. Oh, that's great, though. That's and genius. do, like, little walking tours. Yeah, yeah. And that was super helpful because you could see, like, little people, and, you know, in the in the streets and the wow. buildings and the architecture. And it really helped me absorb the texture of the city. Um, but other than that, it was just this weird process because I didn't know a lot about these people to do this, like, backward induction where I would pick up a, a nonfiction book or, so, or something on like Google Scholar and I would see, you know, a reference to one of these people that's just like in passing. Um, like a lot of a lot of documents mention that Mark Aubryon, the guy who wrote the newspaper, was aided by a youth partisan. But nobody ever said like who this kid was <laughs> and how old he was or she a was. Youth. <laughs> a youth. And so I knew there was a youth. And, and so then it was up to me to be like, I'm going to give this youth a name yeah. and a backstory <laughs> and really flesh them out That's as a so person. Somewhere yeah. that dead youth that, that, that goes to that youth is really like thanking you for that. that <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Stoked youth. Stoked youth. <laughs> so what are some historical fiction books that you love, Bria? Um, I had to think of this. Well, I'm reading City of Girls right now, which is very good. Yes. Um, which is a historical fiction. Um, a book I read last year that really, I, really moved me in a way in, that I loved was uh, Home... Homegoing? Homegoing, not homecoming. Yeah. Homegoing by Yah uh, Jesse. And it, it really changed my life. It is about, I mean, I brought up Ghana. It is, it's about Ghana and two twins who lived there. And then um, one was sold into slavery and one married a slaver. And then it just goes through generation by generation where it was like, and this is what their their sons were like. And this is what their grandsons were like. And this is what their great granddaughters were like. You know, and so it's sort of like the like how these two huge life events changed them one obviously ended up with a little better situation but then also things weren't as great for her too because she also ended up marrying a slaver and moving to america and it wasn't that great and the different ways they came to america which obviously were very different um that book was incredible it was such an interesting historical fiction book and i learned so much mm-hmm. with it because you just like every chapter is a new person so you sort of like get to oh, see a different generation that's interesting um and how and it's a different time period which is fascinating um but then 
okay, there, there's a couple books that I was like, is this historical fiction? And it's I, time to play. Is this, is historical, this historical, historical fiction? fiction? So, for example, Lincoln the Bar- Lincoln in the Bardo. Yeah. Mm. Historical yeah, I fiction. Think so. But it is, there is a bunch of ghosts telling the story. Well, it is, ghosts are telling, but are the narrators. The, I feel like you can be kind of uh, loosey-goosey with the fiction part. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, here's another really big because swing also I'm gonna say if you believe that ghosts are real then then it's, totally, yeah, then it's they... actually historical facts <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i loved that book i thought it was really well written super interesting about this really this one incident in lincoln's life but then it does a bunch of historical fiction stuff and then you get to know these ghosts which is great which is i mean what we're we're really, that's what um, we're really in this for but there's, the there's a book i loved called the other einstein mm-hmm. um about his wife about his wife which we actually don't know that much about her but we do know that she was also, like a physicist, a scientist, of some smarter sort. than he was. That's what the book tells you that she was. And if she had been a man and hadn't had like all these children and hadn't been married to an asshole, then like she would have, you know, been this huge like person. But we don't know that information. We actually don't because know that of much misogyny, of, right? We just don't know that much about her. So it's sort yeah. of it's it's a fictionalized biography, sort of. Oh, I would totally call that interesting. Yeah, fiction. I think so. It's great. It makes you really like. You just really feel like you feel for her, but a lot of it is based sort of on like what this author sort of learned about her, but doesn't know. It's not not it's not based on true stuff. I get it's a little bit like your youth. It's about it's my about. Youth? It's about <laughs> I thought you meant my youth. Your youth. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't marry an asshole. I think it's like your youth. Um, I don't. Maybe you, you were married. Still in when my you youth. married to Einstein. Right. You That's know, true. That you had all those kids. You were physicists. That common experience we all have growing up when you get married to Einstein. <laughs> right. Like you, you can't, can't relate. You know that's how it all goes out. Uh, no, the youth of your book. Right. The, the youth. Uh, <laughs> it's a little like that where we don't know that much about her. But this, but the author made, so I loved that book and then books like that, that sort of take these people that we don't know that much about and sort of go, here's more about what this could have been like, Yeah, I guess. So it's not, it's not unnamed people. It's actually like named people. Like it's actual like people from the world that they're just like extrapolating about what their yeah. lives might've been like. What about you? What are, what are you like? Uh, well, like I said before, I love Sarah Waters. I love uh, anything she writes. I will read. She's the best. Um, I think Tipping the Velvet is my favorite. It's so it's this coming of age novel uh, in England. It's an eighteen. It starts in like eighteen ninety. It's about this girl who falls in love with a male impersonator. So yeah. this is like back in like the old timey vaudeville stage days, days. And like one of a popular act was like when a girl would dress up at, like dress, dress up like a guy and like wear like a fake mustache. And this girl falls in love with her and ends up sort of like getting it. She gets into the profession herself, but she and like goes to follow this girl and it's not a very healthy relationship i will say very good examination of all of that um and it's just like this sprawling interesting novel and like she meets this other girl who's like pushing for the women's vote in england so there's like a lot of cool feminist stuff that happens so i think like i'm really into historical fiction about like badass ladies doing things Uh Mm -hmm. like um uh the fair fight by anna freeman about um I think it's around the same time period about this girl who's born in a brothel and she they they deem her too ugly to be a sex worker. Wow. So wow. she ends up Pretty be- rude. Yeah, <laughs> but she ends up becoming a bare knuckle boxer instead. Wow. Whoa. And she like you do. showed yeah. them. <laughs> I know, right? And she ends up becoming the the boxing tutor of this like lady uh who wants to fight and oh, it's incredible. It's super fun. Um yeah, I, I I love when a book sort of like gets me interested in a time period through characters. Uh, like Crooked Heart by Lissa Evans is a great book. Uh, it's about the Blitz in London in World War Two when you know when they sent out all. It's like kind of like the beginning of Paddington when they, you know they sent out all the kids. Paddington, the bear movie. The bear. Oh, I haven't seen this movie. Oh, I I saw it recently. Someone. It's like a talking bear. It's yeah, actually you, cute. you love a talking bear. I love a talking bear. It's, I heard it was good. <laughs> I heard it was good. Maybe it's, it's, it's just like a plane movie. Uh, it is a plane movie. Yes. Uh, but it'll make me cry on the plane probably. It didn't make me cry. It okay. didn't make me cry either. Yeah. Okay. You no, know, you're fine. Uh, but it's part of the, the story is like the, they what they do with the bear. This bear gets sent to London because um, – this, of this tradition that his bear family finds out about during <laughs> I love bears <laughs> uh, when kids in Lo- during the Blitz in London World War II kids in London were sent out to the countryside to be safe and like, they just like were sent out and strangers strangers would like pick them up and take care of them and so the, the bear family sends them to London because like, oh, people take care of you um, but it's secretly the- like this brilliant manifesto about immigration yeah, yeah. it's fantastic yeah wow. it's pretty good uh, but in this book Crooked Heart so this boy gets sent out um, to the London countryside and he gets picked up by this woman who's like kind of a con, con artist and the only reason she agreed to take this kid is she, so she can get the government turn him the- into a bear 
Yeah, I, exactly. Your goal is to turn him Don't into so oil. <laughs> I'm confusing the things. Uh, so she she basically makes her living off of conning people and scamming people. And she thinks that, oh, I'll just take in this kid and get the money from the government every month. But then she ends up realizing that she can use him to help in her scams. Ooh, yeah. Uh, it's super fun. It sounds great. It's what really is that called? Crooked Heart by Lisa Evans. It's really cute. Um, and because of that, I'm like, oh, now I'm like interested in this because it's like, like Evan, like you said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people talk about during World War II, but I'm like very interested in the lives of like these kids who were just like sent out into the countryside to just like live with strangers for, exactly. while their home was being bombed. Yeah. Like, really, really fascinated. So I think that's what, that's what I get really excited about during historical fiction is I think it's a great way to get interested in a time period through characters that you love. What about you? You have, you have, you have historical fiction books you want to? recommend for folks so while we're playing is this historical fiction oh, yes. <laughs> it is. It is historical fiction. We're ready. you're gonna win a car <laughs> um, but it's la so it's gonna be a prius yeah, yeah, right yeah. exactly that's a good car yeah, that's a good let's car. drive a prius yeah, <laughs> that's how you can tell that we're all actually for that's gonna be my next car <laughs> <laughs> nice. um yeah so I, I recently read this uh amazing translation of the odyssey oh, oh. Uh, by emily emily wilson, wilson. Yes. yeah and, you know, I'd read previous translations of the Odyssey before, and so I, I wasn't necessarily expecting much to be different, but it completely blew my mind. Uh, and the reason for that is I, there are two things that I really like about her approach. One is that she doesn't try to take this prose and dress it up in overly fancy language. A lot of the yeah. previous translators were like, oh, this is this great epic, you know, we must use the, these huge grandiose words that nobody would have used when they were actually reciting the Odyssey because it was meant to be spoken aloud. Um, and so she puts it in very plain, stark, everyday words. And I found that kind of oddly touching that I was relating to these, you know, mythical heroes that I'd yeah. known about ever since I was a kid. Um, and it, the other interesting thing is that this is a translation from a female translator. That's the first one, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so to kind of read about these experiences from her lens it, is just really fascinating and touching and feels kind of revolutionary to me. I so would say is this historical fiction? I would say that straddles the line between like classic and historical fiction. I mean, it's the mm. same with Cersei. I yeah. mean, if you like, yeah. I mean, or, like what you guys were talking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the- you take out the Cyclops and you're just, like, basically <laughs> like that's how I mean, and, and I mean, not to get into this, but isn't history is, you know, it's just stories. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like it, it was right. that long ago. I mean, who really knows? Who really does know? You know, yeah. like it's written stories written by people who were there, but may not necessarily. I that's don't know. True. Like history, hi- history. History. <laughs> History is, uh, I mean... It's very subjective. It's subjective. It is. Oh, that's why I'm uh, excited. My friend Maria Devana Headley is translating Beowulf. Oh. And I think it's going to be the first female translation of Beowulf. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, but that's coming out, I think, next year. I'm really excited about it um, because I think it's cool to like you know, a, a look at that stuff through a female lens, but also look at history and like talk about it in modern terms. Right. Yeah. Especially for stuff like that that's so, you know, it's in the oral tradition. Like you said, people wouldn't be sitting there like like popping out the, the thesaurus to, to write things down. No, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, because it's meant to be, it's designed like for people to listen to. Right, yeah. 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 This was like basically their Avengers. Like people right, would just right. sit around and listen to the bard <laughs> talk about The Odyssey it. is your Avengers. <laughs> it's <That's> true. Incredible. <laughs> trying to think of who would be who. <laughs> I guess right. Odysseus is definitely Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that tracks. So it, it does. Yeah, yeah. Totally like Hulk, tracks. Cyclops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this, this map's like wow. way better this, than this, I thought. This is really <laughs> fan art people, uh, listeners yeah. of reading glasses, please get on this. Yeah. I, this is a great opportunity. Uh, so you can send your thoughts on historical fiction at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we start a reading problem, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, I'm Dave Hill from Show Business. And while I'm not from Canada, my grandfather Clarence Vincent Blake Sr. was, and he wouldn't shut up about it. My grandfather moved on to that great penalty box in the sky way back in the 80s. Still, all these years later, I can't help but wonder, what do we really know about Canada and its people? Which is why my friend Chris Gersbeck and I decided to make So, You're Canadian. Brand new podcast from the Maximum Fun Network, on which I attempt to get to know our neighbors to the north, one Canadian at a time. Coming to Maximum Fun, 
August 27th. And I'm not sorry. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Pat writes in, As part of my book club, I have read some books that I not only loathe, but that I strongly believe have ideas that are harmful to have out in the world. Think really, really distorted theology. I don't want to keep them. I don't want to give them away. You know, harmful ideas. Yet I have a hard time destroying books. Is there a solution other than the recycle bin? Bria, what should Pat do? What is this I book know. club? Extremely interested. Wait, the fascist book club? What is happening? He's like, ever going to tell you I'm part of Satan's book club. Like, it's like, I mean, Satan's book club would be better than what he's That's saying. True. That's, That's true. what I don't understand. When I, I read this, I was like, who? What? I mean, maybe they're specifically reading, like, books by, I, I like, there's college classes like this where they're like, books by fascists. You know, right, like, like, right. like, or maybe like, it's like a political book club. Oh, maybe. Things from all over the map. Hmm. Oh. As long yeah. as I can think that of. sounds maybe likely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know, but I am, I am fascinated and need to follow up information about they need more more information well, our yeah. friends ross and carrie from ono oh ross and carrie yeah. they go to the skeptics book club and i'm sure mm. they have read some things that are a little wonky so maybe yeah maybe it's something like this yeah it's crazy pat if you need help just yeah, 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 yeah. Raise, a, raise a flag so we know to come to your table um uh first of all i think from in the future uh in the future pat should probably get these books from the library Yes, because then you don't have to books. buy them. That's a good point. You know, and yeah. then you aren't going to have them on your shelves, and you're not. You don't have to deal with this problem. And they have them at the library, and I will argue they should have them at the library because I think they should be accessible. I don't think you have to own them, but I think yes. they should be accessible for learning. I think we, you know, you learn from bullshit like yes. this. Yeah, you actually, I will. I will chime in to say that after the episode where we talked about that, how lot like it's good to get these books from the library and they should be accessible. A listener wrote in to say that he works at a library and they had just recently gotten in a bunch of 1930s Nazi propaganda and some of the librarians thought they should burn it and the other they ultimately ended up deciding to keep them because they're like, we don't want to forget that this happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Especially nowadays. I was going to say, yeah. I would have used that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. for anything nefarious. <laughs> like, right, right. Right. But just like that would have been some interesting color and accuracy to add to this book. Yeah. And yeah. again, we don't want to forget that, that th- th- these people are out there. Right. 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 Yeah. 100%. Um, okay. But Pat already owns these books. So I will say you can definitely recycle them. I would say recycle them. I feel like we have this, um, <laughs> we have this like, we can't throw away, we can't throw away a book because it's is like. A sacred object. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's, and I understand because I actually have a similar feeling about books. Like when I, I, it feels weird to just throw them right in the garbage. Yeah. Or recycle them. But um, I looked into like uh, whether or not you can recycle them in LA and you can, but some of them you have to remove, like where we are, you actually have to remove the hardbacks. You have to remove the, the cover because they can't do the cover. Oh, wow. And you sometimes have to remove the binding depending on your city and all that you do. I had to recycle a bunch of random shit recently and you can go to your recycler and like be like, I have this shit. Can you take this shit? And right. they'll be like, yes, we can. And, or no, we can't. And yeah. either way they take it. And so it's like, you can actually just go to these books to your local recycler or call them. They're actually way more helpful than you. It's not as bureaucratic as you think for at least not in LA, which is shocking because everything is bureaucratic here. I was on the phone with Spectrum yesterday for an hour. Oh, so God. like that alone. <laughs> Don't get me started on Spectrum. <laughs> Sean is laughing because he knows the Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Spectrum are nightmare people, and it's most the Which moment they know is Comcast. Yeah, not, yes. the moment there's right. a new internet provider no. in LA, I'm going. They have a monopoly right now, and you can't have anyone else. Anyway, um, so I'm going to say recycle. Look into your local recycling uh, facility and see what they can do. But from in the future, like yeah, I'm going to say go and get these books. Like yeah. you don't have to get them. Go to the library. Yeah. What What do y'all think? That's where I come down to. Yeah. I mean. I, I totally get the discomfort with destroying a book, but I think the thing to keep in mind is that crappy ideas are crappy ideas. They don't stop being that the second they're written down. Right. That's actually <laughs> a <laughs> solid point. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you recycle them, they might become better books. Yeah. Or so, or a cereal box. Right. Or like, yeah. you know, like something or that's literally useful. anything. Right. Like something more useful or, you know, you get buy something that's like, these shoes are made of recycled paper. You're like, hell yeah, recycle. This could be. I'm stomping around on fascism right, right. now, motherfucker. You're literally stomping fascism. How cool is that? No, actually, it was funny is i think this is such, uh, it's funny that we're all united on this and i just think that like 
you need maybe I think Pat needs to think of this as you're rescuing that book right now. Ooh. You're rescuing so, that paper. That yeah. wood, well, that's what I mean. The wood pulp is stuck, is trapped in its that Nazi tree clothing. Never wanted it to be that, no, that tree did not want No tree wants to be a Nazi. Okay. <laughs> no tree grows up like that. Rescue that tree, Pat. So I think you just think of yourself as a book wizard. You know, mm-hmm. you're not. You know, if, even if it doesn't become a book, like you said, it could be something literally anything else that isn't doing active harm to the world you're you're not destroying a book you're diffusing it Ooh, also, i like, like that that's true there's also possibly patch look into my mother is big into book art and she would probably say even if it's like a shitty book she could use like the words some of the words and stuff in it yeah. so there might be like if there is like, blackout poetry a yeah, ransom blackout note poetry, a, a ransom note there yeah. we go like there's there is probably we got our resistance fighter in here <laughs> <laughs> evan's already planning she's like, can, she's like can you send them to me pat so i can use them for my my over for overthrowing the government right yeah get some underground literature in here exactly Exactly. Yeah. I do think there are other uses for it, but maybe an art school. I, the only thing about taking it to an art school is that, like, they may not want it. Like, an art. Like yeah. A, and that that was my other thought. Some yeah. sort of, like, art. If there's, like, a book art school or some sort of... You could of- line a hamster cage with it. Oh, that's a good one. It's like, oh. all, like, think of, use, use that paper for all kinds of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not very crafty, so I don't <laughs> Yeah. I thought about that briefly, but, Pat, I can't help you. I, I think we're all on the same page to yeah. recycle. Yeah. Recycle, recycling, good for yes. the environment. You're going to make, like, some... Some, you know, box out of it. What do you make? Right. Recycled paper. I don't, I truly don't even know. More paper. They make more paper out of recycled paper, right? Yeah. yeah. I, no, yeah. I buy notebooks with, um, have you ever seen those decomposition books? Oh, oh yes. yeah. Uh-huh. They have cool covers. Yeah. 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 I wrote uh, the first, my, that was my first uh, notebook for my first book. Oh, oh, there we so go. Cool. People like you, Pat, made it made authors happy with Wow, we've really turned it around for Pat in this in this discussion. Yeah. Pat, you are a dream. You're just <laughs> doing a great job. I but yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is Pat really needs to just accept that this the book is not actually a sacred object as much as we all revere them and feel like they are but it's really not especially if it's full of like garbage ideas mm-hmm. it's not you can you know and even if it was sacred think of how fucking powerful you are pat mm-hmm. taking that sacred garbage object and putting it in the recycling and giving change- it to a young author to write in her decomposition <laughs> notebook about that's what i'm saying <laughs> pat you just need to have a you just need to rethink some things so if you want us to solve your reader problem you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and evan where can we find you online and where can we buy your book um you can find me online on all social media i'm i'm er ram support on uh twitter facebook and instagram you can also visit me at erramsupport.com and you can buy my book anywhere books are sold but please buy it from your local indie bookstore because i want to keep those alive i really like those yay and so as always we want to thank danielle and kathy who are on our facebook group and chrissy and rachel who moderate our goodreads page remember that you can buy reading glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the maximum fun store there's a link in the show notes you can help us feed our cats and look sexy as hell uh and if you like the show please rate and review us on itunes we are currently almost to 750 reviews it's very exciting i know we're gonna be watching that we'll do something exciting i don't know we haven't decided what something Uh, exciting get ready for it (laughs) thrills and chills and exciting Uh, it's really great for us it helps us reach more readers it it takes 30 seconds so if you're listening and you want to do something nice for us that doesn't cost any money take a minute out of your day to give us a a review on iTunes and if you don't use iTunes I don't know I don't know what to say to you tell your your pals about reading glasses (laughs) tell Uh, your iTunes using friends yes (laughs) Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast on Instagram at readingglassespodcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Thanks for listening, and thanks thanks for reading. reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.